Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him in a life-transforming journey. Now, here's my friend Mark to introduce today's sermon. Good morning. Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho welcomes you. Today, in our continuing message from Joshua, the Lord tells Joshua three times, Be courageous and not fearful. Have you ever been really scared? Were you feared for your safety, your life? Our natural instinct is to do something when scared, even running away or putting up a fight. God tells us he's already got this. Yet, are we listening? God tells us to wait on him and rely on his power. Yet it's hard to listen when someone tells us one thing, and we're convinced it's something else. Today's message tells us Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to speak for us. Yet we need to stop, listen, and look for his saving hand in times of trouble. We need to trust him and be ready to stand and wait for him to act. Jesus loves us so much, he can't take his eyes off us. Trust the Lord and see what the Lord is about to do before you. He calls us to be prepared for battle. And he wants you to stay there. He doesn't want you to necessarily pull out the sword and start slicing. Just stand waiting upon the Lord. Now, how does the Lord help his children? If he goes before them, before us in the battle, he precedes, his presence goes be. So when you wake up tomorrow and you get that phone call, not the one you want, or the envelope you did not expect, the Lord is already there. He already knew. So you turn around and you hold on to the Lord because he's there and now he's here with you. How does the Lord fight for you. We see throughout the Old Testament, throughout their battles, different circumstances where God sent angels, God, His Word, He sent earthquakes, and He went before them and He defeated the enemy. There's times that God confuses the enemy. I just, there's many stories coming out of this Ukrainian war. Some we take with a, with a, with a little salt, whether it's true or not. We'll know later on. But here's one that, came, that I heard just saw the other day. Young man, believer in the Ukrainian army. They were about to be overtaken by, the, by a Russian tank battalion or however big they were. And he called his father, said, Dad, pray right now. Dad, please ask the church to pray right now. Dad said, it is done. So the whole church got on their knees and they were praying for, as you well know, throughout the war. They're constantly praying. And all of a sudden, as they were about to be overtaken by these Russian tanks, another column of tanks came from the other side, those being Russians as well, and they began to fire on these guys. What had happened is this one group of tanks had just defeated a a city, and they've taken the Ukrainian flags as trophies, and they put those same flags on their own tanks because, oh, look what we've done. The other guys came in, saw the flags, started attacking their own people. How often we see this in the Old Testament. 
with the Philistines, the Midianites, and all the other ones in the middle of the night. The Bible says that they were confounding themselves, and they started killing each other, and all they had to do, the people of Israel, is sit, trust, and watch. God uses natural cataclysmic forces to defeat the enemy. He sends angels to destroy the enemy. He even changes the hearts of kings. Remember? Artaxerxes and Haman. He wanted to hang and kill all the Israelites. And God worked at the heart of this king. And here comes Esther in patience. The Bible in the Psalms says that God moves the hearts of kings in his hand like rivers of water. He's the one that can turn the plans of your enemy against themselves. But even more so, Paul and Silas, they're in prison. They're chained and they're singing songs of praise to the Lord. And the people listen and they hear the gospel. And then God sends an angel to open the doors wide open. Things that we haven't thought of. Things that we hear of and we can't believe they're possible. Stand. See this great thing the Lord will do before your eyes. Now, How do we watch the Lord and what does it take to have God involved in the battles of your life? When you're surrounded and there's no way out. Whether family or neighbors or government, whatever it may be. Well, Hezekiah teaches us that it takes repentance and prayer. Constant prayer, trusting prayer, surrendering prayer. If you look at Isaiah chapter 37, verses 15 through 17, and some other verse, I'm going to just read to you. Because what's happening here in, in, in the life of Israel, as they're surrounded by all of these enemies, they have no help whatsoever. They're coming in one million strong. And all the king can do is pray. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Remember, the Lord goes before you in your battles. Your battles become His battles. If it's new to you, it's already planned by God. You can rest and trust. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You've made heaven and earth. Basically, he's not telling God his responsibility and his position. He's reminding himself who God is. Hezekiah needed to hear himself. And we do. Read that out loud. Remember who your Lord is. Incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see. Hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he sent to mock the living God. Verse 21, Hezekiah receives word from the Lord. And here's what God says to you. Remember, we talked about the fact that God is aware Moses is dead. Joshua, now you know Moses is dead. And you may think that your leader has gone. You have no idea which way to go. What do I do now? This vacuum of leadership. God says, listen, I know reality. He's dead. But you've got me. Same thing here with the king. He says, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, because you've prayed concerning Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, this is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. Assyria, she despises you. She scorns you. 
the virgin daughter of Zion. She wags her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. I know. I know what you're going through. I know you're afraid. I know that the voice of the enemy is sometimes louder than the whisper of the Holy Spirit, which you will hear as you run back to my word. Come back to my word. I know all these things. And God says, I take these things personal. We see in Scripture that we are as dear to God as the light of His eye. He loves you. And He tells the king this. Therefore the Lord says, He shall not come into the city, or shoot an arrow there, or come before it with a shield, or cast up a siege, a mound against it. It's what he wants to do. He's going to come. He's going to siege it. He's going to just shoot arrows. He's going to starve you. No, he's not going to do that. By the way he came, by the same he shall return. And he shall not come into the city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it. For my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And the angel of the Lord went out and struck down one angel, struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the people rose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Do you not see the power of God's love and the angels he employs in protecting his beloved, that's you and me. Stand still and see what the Lord is about to do. He has gone already in the midst of your battle. He's there. He's present. Do not look at the enemy. As Elisha's servant got up and he saw all of these uh, soldiers surrounding their mountain, he said, my master, wake up, we're surrounded. And then Elisha gets up and says, oh Lord, he prayed for his servant that God would open his eyes. And he said, they're more with us than against us. And, and when his eyes were opened, he saw that behind the lines of the enemies, there were chariots and horses and angels and armies surrounding all of the enemy. Which, by the way, went back home blind as bats. They held hands to shoulders, following one to another back to their king, blind. This is what the Lord God does. It's because not only is His presence goes, goes before you in battle, but His presence is personal. As I was with Moses... I'm going to be with you by name, not just the people. He cares about you, your feelings, your emotions, your fears. Always personal, never distant. Remember, he appears to Gideon one on one. As Gideon is hiding and he's threshing the wheat in the wine press, he's looking over his shoulder. The Lord Jesus just shows up and sits down, not rushing, involved directly with Gideon. I'm talking to you, and I see within your heart that you're a great warrior. No, he was not. The Lord said, this is who you will be. The Lord sees the enemy as it is, but it looks at you as you will become, trusting him, loving him, 
holding on to him. He appears to Saul, pre-Paul, doing what he thought was right, throwing into prison, authorizing the death of Stephen, going over to Damascus and throwing more Christians in prison. And the Lord appears to him when he least expects it. And he falls on his face, calls him Lord, one-on-one, personal. Whenever you come to a pastor or an elder, and this happens in all the churches, we pray for one another. However, if when we say, Pastor Paul, will you please pray for me? Because God listens to you. That's erroneous. God doesn't love him more. Well, he loves me more. We know that. But doesn't love him any more than he loves me. We may look at people's lives and see, wow, look at the family, look at the house, look at the uh, financial status. He's favored by God. God doesn't show his love through things. You see, if all that worldly wealth is translated in his character wealth, then you'll know how much God loves him. God is personal. How about Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, known by the occupying nation, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Jesus was personal to them. And we all say, I want to be like Jesus. I want to meet Jesus. I want to talk to Jesus. Would you do it in a furnace? Are you ready to lose everything? And watch the enemy multiply the temperature of the furnace as he's about to throw you to lose your life. Because in that furnace, you have a one-on-one personal meeting with the Son of God, Jesus. Are we as personal involved with Jesus as he wants to be with us? How about Cleopas? Who knows who that is? Cleopas and his friend. We don't have his friend's name. I wonder why. We may laugh at the answer when we get to heaven. That's the two guys which were disciples. They remembered the Lord told them on the third day. And they waited in Jerusalem for three days. And on the three days they said, we're done. We're out of here. And they're walking away at the end of uh, the gospel of Luke. They're walking away and disappointed. And here comes Jesus alongside personally talking to them. Giving them one of the best messages and sermons we've never heard. As he talks to them about Jesus from the Old Testament to, the, to, to him then and there. And they're listening. And he's talking to them and he's being Funny, he's humorous when they tell him, haven't you heard the things that have been happening? And Jesus says, what things? And they're talking to Jesus. And he's personal. And he's walking with them as they're walking away in disobedience. Think about that. He told them to wait and stay in Jerusalem. And they're walking away. And Jesus walks with them. Until they see his hands. And they know. And their hearts begin to burn within them. And they run back to see Jesus. Not only is his presence personal. His presence goes before you in the battles that await you. But his presence is perpetual. I will never leave you. And that's a promise he keeps.
I will not leave you or forsake you. God tells that to Joshua, and we hear it again as the Lord Jesus tells the disciples. You see, we belong to this relationship with the Lord Jesus that is passionate. He is the one that cried at the tomb of Lazarus, seeing the people gathered around and, and, and in, their, in their weakness and, and, and humanity and sin, he sees them without hope and despair. And Jesus trembles with himself and he's crying for them. He loves you even as he knows you. It's a relationship that is active, involved, eternal, And even more so, it's an internal relationship. John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Because that's where we find Jesus. In the here and the now, our hearts are transposed by the Holy Spirit when we are in the Word. If you truly love me, you'll be in my Word. And if you do this, I'm going to ask the Father, and He will give you another helper. Another of the same kind, but different. That's the word in in Greek. Another, different, but the same kind. So, I will remain your helper, but here comes another with a relationship that is from the within, from the inside out. You no longer have to wonder... Where is the Lord? Because through Him, the Holy Spirit, I am in you. He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Do you understand the weight of these promises and the way that He has fulfilled them? Never leaving you will be with you forever. I am with you. I'm not going to forsake you. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, Because it neither sees Him, nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. His presence in your life is unending, ever-growing, always strengthening. And it's that one verse which, if you look at it at first hand, and for those of you that study this verse in uh, Hebrews chapter 13, where it talks about, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It follows a conversation about money. And you're thinking, what does this all have to do? The fact that he won't leave me. What what about this money thing? Keep your life from the love of money. Hebrews 13, 5. And be content with what you have. What do you have? Well, you may think, well, be content with your salary. Be content with your house. And that's it. No. Yes, but... Our life being kept free from the love of money because money is that one God that always contends and is always in competition to promise you security, happiness, protection. For those that have money, you think they don't have all these worries to deal with. And God said, no, money is a God. But do not love money. Be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We have Jesus. 
We talk about God being the one that holds the cattle on a thousand hills. Did you ever try to do the math? How many cattle, heads of cattle would that be? A thousand hills filled with cattle. I don't know, and I don't think we're supposed to do the math. It's a psalm that talks about that. Be content with what you have. For if you have the one that gives life, you will lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. It is God's desire to live in you and with you. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Our, 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 him together. We will love him. This is the presence of God that is never ending. Present in the battles. Passionate. Joshua, do not be afraid. It's not the lack of fear for the army or the people that follow you. It's not the strength from the skill or for the miracles. I am with you. That's where we are called to simplify our faith to one fact. God's love is ever-present in your heart because Jesus is in your heart. I ask you to be in prayer today and for the following week. People in the Ukraine, as those of you that have been part of war, we're watching people on TV as they're crossing the border with nothing but a couple of suitcases, a cart, and that's all they have, is they understand the values of life, is life and family. A friend of mine that works with L.A. County Sheriff, he will be a part of a team that will be traveling to Ukraine through Romania. We've been talking, I made some connections. They'll be traveling to rescue as many orphans as they can. There's many logistical issues. There's danger. There's the Ukrainians at the border and the Ukrainians that are always looking to make some loot on the side. It's war. Pray for Mike. Pray for Mike and the team that is going there to rescue because their presence in the life of those orphans is all that matters. It's what Jesus has already done in your life. He's come after you. He's met you where you were at. He has redeemed you. And you have life. And now you have a responsibility to stand. Do you ever wonder if Jesus always has you on his mind? Do you ever think someone else is favored above you? God doesn't look at what someone else has above you, no. He's all in for you. He loves you above all things of the earth and not what you've got, but about who you are, for you are his. 
We're called to trust and follow his direction, not the world's. Jesus is always there for us, waiting for us to ask. He wants us to talk with him about everything that's happening in our lives, and trust him to do as he directs. The Holy Spirit is sent to be our helper, and be with us forever in Christ Jesus. Only make sure you don't get distracted with earthly things. Let the Bible fill your memory, rule your heart, and guide your feet in all things. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Pray and read his word, trusting in him always. Thank you for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at this time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.